welcome to The Streets Are Planning. I'm your host, Jay Ruffin, and this is a freestyle episode of The Streets Are Planning podcast. Today's episode is inspired by the Jay-Z song, Family Feud. Uh, That is off of the album, 444, Um, a dope album, and the song itself is something that I think that we are in the midst of openly and in public right now. The gist of the song is essentially it's talking about feuding amongst your family, your friends, your culture, as opposed to keeping your eyes focused forward on what we can do to actually impact our communities, impact our business, impact our family, and impact those around us in a positive way. That's that's what I took and I gathered from that song. So essentially, unless you were like, you know, sleep. Uh, you know, had your head in the ground or like, you know, all of those like analogies that can be thrown around for not being aware. Uh, Colin Kaepernick and Jay-Z and basically Colin Kaepernick's, uh, you know, girlfriend, um, Vanessa, like who's a host on a radio show uh, in New York and just a, you know, a media personality that, you know, she's dope. She does great interviews. If you haven't heard her, you need to definitely check her out. Um, and his main guy, like Colin Kaepernick's homeboy, you know, Eric Reed, who has definitely been holding him down. And a lot of Colin supporters have been clashing this week over essentially what was announced between Jay-Z um, and Rock Nation, his company, Rock Nation, uh, and the partnership that he negotiated as a part of a deal that would be focused on halftime shows, events around the country, um, and also focused on social social uh, injustice, you know, activities. What that might look like, nobody knows right now. But they've been beefing and going back and forth. It's like, yo, people are calling Jay basically like you know a sellout um, because they've basically felt that Colin Kaepernick, because he was he's still being blackballed by the NFL, that anyone doing a deal with the NFL, um, especially Jay-Z, for what he means to the culture, was selling out the hip-hop culture. So let's just take a step back for those who uh, are uninitiated in, in what this is all, of, what Colin Kaepernick has fought for, what he's been about. Um, Colin Kaepernick was an NFL quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers um, and a member of Cap Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. Yo to the noobs. Um, Cap is like, and I'm going to refer to him like Cap, like like we go back a ways. We don't, but anyway, um, Cap is has been a major figure um, since that time as a quarterback because he was kneeling uh, and taking a knee during the national anthem. This was a something that rose up nationally in the news and people were all had an opinion about what Collins should do and how disrespectful it was. Or those of us who were in support of his efforts were like, yeah, we need somebody to, to bring light to a situation of, of police brutality, social injustice, uh, over-policing in communities of color. Um, and he was a voice and he used this platform to essentially bring light to those types of those issues that that are impacting communities of color. So he took a lot of heat for that. Um, he actually, you know, was, uh, I believe, blackballed from the NFL. He 
uh, you know, after his contract was over with the San Francisco 49ers, he, he hasn't gotten an opportunity. That was three years ago. Um, I think that Colin Kaepernick, he took the San Francisco 49ers to the, uh, the, the championship, like the NFL championship. They didn't win, but he was there. And then all of a sudden to turn around and not provide him uh, the space to one, exercise his First Amendment right, but two, have an opportunity to be gainfully employed when he was at the, you know, at the top of his, uh, you know, his performing ability in the NFL when he when he was blackballed. So, you know, when you have that as a background to this thing, I can understand why folks are definitely in, a, you know, in Cap's corner and saying, hey, man, we need to make sure that we support him and raise him up at all costs because he sacrificed when he didn't have to. So we need to acknowledge that um, he definitely sacrificed. He definitely, you know, accomplished a lot of goals of having, you know, police brutality, social injustice on communities of, of color raised to a level where it became a, a an international conversation about how uh, policing takes place in in our communities. So fast forward a couple of years. Um, you know, within the last three years since he has been blackballed with the NFL, there was a a Nike deal that he signed, you know, so I was like, yo, this is dope. They had great commercials. He was bringing awareness, using his platform again uh, and his position again to to raise issue to social social injustice, police brutality uh, as his is his mission and his nonprofit. Um, he invested a million dollars of his own money to take uh, take the opportunity to invest, basically put in his mouth where where you know uh, putting his money where his mouth is in all in all these communities, and he invested in nonprofits who were working towards the goals um, that he basically you know sacrificed his career for at that time. Now, after the Nike deal, you know, I think a lot of us were kind of like, oh, man, that's great. And then, you know, a couple months later, uh, we know he was in the middle of a court case with the NFL uh, where he and Eric Reed were basically, you know, calling the NFL out. They basically uh, had said, and I don't know how true this is, but I read reports where they indicated uh, Colin Kaepernick's legal team indicated that they had audio tape that they had um, firsthand accounts of owners and, you know, coaches and folks talking about uh, what was happening with the protest. Um, Trump weighed in and, you know, basically had forced the, the owners. I don't even want to say force. He actually, because he added his voice to the situation, um, because he um, unfortunately uh, inhabits the White House right now, um, he was able to bring his eye and his social media uh, presence to these owners and the owners backed down and they essentially didn't support Colin, uh, his first amendment, right. And they didn't um, do anything to upset uh, Trump. So as the case is going on, what ends up happening after that is like, there is a settlement. I'm like, Whoa, wait a minute. What's going on? Like a settlement. I mean, if you have all this information, you have all these things that are backing up, Essentially, all the things that you stood for and you lost your job for and you have a means to, you know, bring a voice to that um, for all the other NFL players, even those who didn't have the courage to stand up and support you in your efforts, but are nonetheless impacted by the same police brutality and social injustice that you're bringing light to. 
um, take a stand and share that information, put the NFL fully on blast uh, to use that power um, to influence, you know, how the NFL conducted itself moving forward. He had the opportunity to do that um, prior to that settlement. So once the settlement took place, I'm not sure if there's been like a gag order or or what. I read uh, reports that said that that there was that they had initially reports were like, oh, they settled for you know a hundred million dollars, or they settled for fifty million dollars, and then you know a couple weeks later it was like, oh, they settled for less than ten million dollars. And so I'm not going to sit here and judge him for his decision to settle, uh, for Eric Reed's decision to settle and go back into uh, to the NFL by joining the Carolina Panthers. Uh, you know, he's a great safety. So, you know, I'm a football fan myself. So I want to see, you know, I want to see you get paid. If that's what your profession is, and these guys have essentially blackballed you as well as Colin, you get the opportunity to go back like, hey, you making money? Do your thing. I'm not going to hate on you or hate on that situation. What I'm going to do is try to sit back and understand. I may ask the question, well, I wonder why he did that. But you know what? It's none of my damn business because he is doing what he feels he needs to do to take care of his household. And he's in that position. So, hey, big ups to that man. Do your thing. So fast forward from that. There have been like, you know, activities that have been uh, carried out by the NFL in conjunction with, you know, local organizations. And, uh, you know, they they've already they had like the kids events they had. They're talking about having sensitivity training and all of these different types of things to bring awareness uh, to the plights of, of inner city communities, pr- police brutality and social injustice that Colin, you know, kneeled for. They started to do those types of things. And I think that, you know, Colin's power also was making our communities be more vocal about those things. Uh, But what did not happen is I don't believe that Colin Kaepernick, with the power that he's had and how he's utilized his voice in space, turned into what people expected it to be. Um, I think there was a level of expectation that Colin Kaepernick would be the voice of a movement for a long time to come because he has sacrificed his position. He did not sacrifice. And I'm talking sacrifice his position in the NFL. He did not sacrifice his position as a voice in the movement. You still had the ability to do that, um, to make sure that you are on a national stage to make sure that you are raising this issue on an international stage. And for whatever reason, um, and that's his choice, to, to, by the way, for whatever reason, Colin has not stepped into that space, even though the space remained open for him to do that, in my opinion. We fast forward to uh, just a week ago. Um, <laughs> shit was all good just a week ago. We got the Jay-Z song popping in my head right now. But... Essentially, you know, Jay-Z, you know, had been behind the scenes, uh, you know, working to deal with the NFL and it became public and they held a press conference of sorts or basically an an open interview where they brought in prominent, you know, uh, um, reporters and prominent black reporters in, you know, that are also like tapped into the, the hip hop culture to interview them about this deal that was agreed to. And so during that 
um, that discussion, you know, they were asking certain questions and things of that, you know, so what about Colin Kaepernick? Uh, you know, shouldn't Colin Kaepernick have a job? Shouldn't, you know, Colin be involved in this conversation? And Jay-Z essentially came back with like, look, hey, um, I'm not Colin's boss. Like what Colin is doing, I support him. You know, I support him. He raised the social injustice and police brutality. This is an issue that I agree with him, that this is something that needs to be addressed and needs to be fixed. And, um, you know, so I didn't like he first he was like, well, I don't know. I, I didn't reach out to him. And then he was like, well, I think, yeah, we had a conversation like on Monday. I think that might have been one of the missteps that I think he would like to go back and, and, and take um, take over again. But. Jay-Z essentially just left it like that. Like, you know, listen, this I'm here for a very particular reason. I'm going to use my power and my space in this deal with the NFL to ensure that social injustice moves forward as a as something that our community, our culture is involved in deciding what it looks like. But what I think people took away from that and seeing Jay-Z laugh and chuckle with the, you know, the commissioner of the, of the NFL, Roger Goodell, is that people sat back and looked at Jay and was like, yo, this is really uncomfortable, bro. Like, I see you knowing what Colin Kaepernick's been through. You yourself saying, like, you're not going to play at the, you're not going to perform at the Super Bowl. Like, encouraging other artists not to perform at the Super Bowl. Um, you know, then telling the national stage that you are, partnering with the NFL looked unnatural. It was uncomfortable seeing Jay in that position. And then I thought about it a little bit more and I said, who else has been in this position? Who else could be in this position where not only could you could a partner with the NFL as a major corporation and company, an influential one at that in, in, in culture, um, but also be in a position to not only, you know, have a, a small minority percentage of an owner ownership of an NFL team, but actually be in a position to own an NFL team. And I thought like, man, how powerful that is. And so I, when I watched it, that was my first impression. So then boom, like Twitter, <laughs> Instagram, like Facebook, like all social media and on television, everybody came after Jay. Um, saying like, look, yo, he's a sellout. He's all this and that. And I was just floored by by that take on it, mostly because I don't think that there is a person, one person who has influenced our culture. And that's the black, you know, African-American um, and hip hop culture more than Jay-Z. There just isn't anybody. There isn't anybody who has influence the culture like he has and who we've gotten an opportunity to see grow from a guy that grew up in the Marcy projects. You know, I, he's the first guy that I can identify with that is like successful at his level that came from the projects and understands that, that experience, right? Like understands the experience from, from growing up in poverty, trying to survive, you know, to then, you know, selling drugs doing those types of things and then getting his putting himself in a position to start a successful music business that has turned into you know selling champagne selling clothing 
um, selling experiences with like Rock Nation and the and the music that they put out, the 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 multimedia platform um, that title has become to just influencing culture in so many levels in so many ways that I just respect I just respect Jay and what he's done. And I think that I have given him the the benefit of the doubt that because he's had those experiences, because I've gotten a chance to see him grow from like a cat that was wearing a, the the four to five XT, you know, uh, with the with the Yankees hat on, to wearing button ups, to to now like just truly, you know, living his life free. You know, my man is like, you know, talked about the importance of therapy on the album, talked about the importance of marriage, talked about you know, uh, being a, a, like being a positive influence about owning a business about like, so giving you so much game on this last four, four, uh, four, four, four album in comparison to reasonable doubt, you know, when he's giving you 22 twos, like, you know, can I live like those types of songs where the content was so different. He is the first hip hop artist that I have seen age gracefully and how myself as a man, uh, as a black man coming from the same environment, one is one that I see myself on that same growth pattern. So identifying with him and seeing like, hey, he has one use this platform to become uh, a force in the NFL where it takes money to play. He's using his money in a space where he doesn't have to be like he could continue doing very well where he's at. But he's chosen to use his platform and his space and quite frankly, um, his his risk of losing his cultural and social value um, because of what we've seen thus far. Now, you know, for Colin and and Nessa and um, you know Eric and and Kenny Stills and everybody else that have, that has been coming at Jay Z. Jamel Hill had a great article out. I think you should read that. I felt like. She came for him a little bit, but it was balanced by she hopes that he does the right thing. Um, and so have a couple of other authors and, and I'm sorry, writers and people who are out there just, you know, providing commentary on the situation that they hope Jay does the right thing. And I, I sit here and I'm like, hope he does the right thing like that. What when Jay-Z has been involved in, in moving our culture forward? Besides coming in the game, saying that he, you know, uh, he had a hundred thou, nine hundred to be exact, from grinding G packs, to now telling you like, yo, you need to get a therapist, you need to like break the cycle, you need to do all these things. Is that he has grown up in front of you, and each album and each deal set precedent. He says that in his rhyme. Each deal sets precedent. So when you look at the deals that he's done as a businessman, you look at the cultural influence that he's had, you look at, you know, the social justice work that he's he's doing, um, you know, with with Van Jones and Meek Mill and, you know, uh, uh, owner of the the Philadelphia 76ers, you know, the owner of the uh, the Patriots who, you know, they I'm a Cleveland Brown fan anyway. Um, you know, to, to, to being in those circles and using those resources and relationships to one, help Meek Mill get free using his resources for that, 
two helping behind the scenes to help other artists negotiate deals and giving them money so they were like loaning them money or giving them money i don't know how it was the situation was with wayne when wayne was like yo he paid my taxes for me like you know somebody else is like hey you know he helped me renegotiate my contract like there's so many things behind the scenes you know on, on the business front and on the cultural music front that he's impacting but also on the social justice front where you know it's i've read reports um, first, you know, firsthand accounts from people who have said that, you know, unbeknownst to them, like Jay-Z was paying bail for folks in Ferguson and folks in Baltimore during the uprisings. Like th those are things that he should be doing and he doesn't want the praise for, because obviously if he wanted it, it'd be more of a PR thing. But because I know that about him, I've given, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. Those who um, look at Jay in only one light from like what he came in the game saying and haven't really paid attention to that growth of him as an artist and as a as a man. Um, they're not going to understand it. They're not going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And if if I had that understanding of him in, in their way, I probably wouldn't either. So as we move forward with this conversation and this dialogue about what Jay Z is doing. Um, I want I don't want us to forget three things. One, do what you can where you are. Right. I think sometimes we project onto our celebrities, um, our black celebrities in particular, uh, to we project onto them our need for somebody to have a voice for our community. Right. I mean, so if you have somebody who make it out. They make a lot of money and they don't tell the story or they don't raise highlight to their community. You look at them different. Look at them sideways. I mean, I know I do and I'm guilty of that. But that's really me saying to myself, am I really doing enough where I'm at? Like, I need to make sure that I am doing what I can where I am. The second thing that I think that folks need to remember is that we're all... All of the people who are coming at Colin, all of the people who are coming at Jay-Z, you both fell into forget something, which is, to me, they're both black. They're both men of color. They both at any time can be pulled over and have a very bad experience with the police. They have both faced the police and you know, uh, uh, in such a way where their livelihoods and their lives were at risk. That's unacceptable. And if they're having that experience and they're bringing highlight to their situations, imagine all the, the other voices that don't, that don't get heard. Right. And so look at them as, you know, these are two brothers who are trying to do the very best with the means that they have and they're doing it different ways, but it's all for the same goal. And until they prove differently, give these men the benefit of the doubt. The third and final thing that I would say is there's nothing wrong with critiquing someone's approach. There's nothing wrong with critiquing someone's approach to the work that they do in the community, um, the work that they're not doing in the community. Uh, it's okay to critique someone and offer, you know, constructive criticism. It's another thing to be sitting around looking at your group of friends 
and just straight up dogging somebody out because they are not approaching it the way that you would, right? You know, I think that we forget that when, you know, you're, you're talking about someone else uh, who you might not have a relationship with, that you should, that, that there is a common courtesy, right? It's like, make sure that you're couching your statements with, in my opinion, that's what I would do. That's how I've been having this conversation, in my opinion, because that is exactly what it is. It is our opinion how Jay-Z is going to handle this. It's our opinion that, you know, Jay-Z is going to, you know, take advantage of the situation and just make money and ball out on us. Um, there is also this, you know, my opinion that uh, or other folks' opinions that, you know, Colin Kaepernick wasted his opportunity um, or didn't use this platform the way that he should and blah, blah, blah. I look at it as like, in my opinion, Colin Kaepernick is one of the main catalysts to having a national and international discussion about the treatment of people at the hands of the police and about social injustice taking place in neighborhoods and streets and blocks and boulevards across the world. So if we can just give them that space to be human, if we ourselves can give each other the space to be human and look at each other as a source of, you know, look, I can take your constructive criticism and this is how we're going to plan to take the next steps. Let's do that as opposed to using our platforms, especially our social media platforms, with how fast the information travels to disparage or tear down somebody who is working for the same common goal. We all want to stand opposed to, you know, the brutality that's been taking place in our neighborhoods. I think with a lot of urban planners, we see those things firsthand, like how it happens, why it happens. And we do our very best to make sure that we're bringing voice to those folks in our work and that we are bringing resources to help mitigate or completely change the negative impacts that are taking place in, in our neighborhoods. And so my, my, my last and final you know, piece on this is, look, I love Colin Kaepernick, love Jay-Z. Those are my brothers. And I want to see them both win, just like I want to see you win. So what I'm going to continue to do and try to do and encourage others to do in this space is when we're talking about the urban environment, we know how hard it is to come through the trenches and make it to a point where you are doing well. And when you're up there doing well, you look around and it's only a few of you up there instead of taking shots at the person standing next to you. Throw the rope down and pull somebody up. At this time, I think I'd like to give a couple of shout outs. Um, you know, listen, this has been an amazing ride thus far. I've had a lot of listeners reach out, provide comments on some of the episodes, um, give feedback on the guests that we've had and just gen in general show their support to um, what we're doing here at the Streets of Planning podcast. So I want to give a special shout out to all of you who have reached out. Um, thank you for sharing your comments. Uh, thank you for asking great questions. 
and I just want to thank you for being a subscriber and listening in. Um, I would encourage if this is your first time listening to an episode, go back, listen to the intro episode and catch up. There's still time uh, for you to tune in and hear exactly you know, what our conversations have been thus far. I'd also just give a shout out in general to a couple of cities that have definitely been showing their love and showing their support. Buffalo, New York. What up? What it do? Uh, I appreciate y'all tuning in. There's a lot of folks up in Buffalo listening. Had a couple of people over in Spain, France. They doing their thing. Um, listen, Detroit. Detroit has been holding me down. I appreciate all of you in Detroit who have been listening. Colleagues, friends, family have been tuning in. And finally, you know, to my people out in L.A., um, I want to give a big shout out to to my homegirl, Alex, who, uh, you know, moved out to L.A. and got an outstanding job, planning job out there. So salute to you, Alex. And uh, can't wait to hear how everything is going and have you on the show. You can follow us on The Streets Are Planning on Instagram, The Streets Are Planning on Twitter. We have a Facebook page as well um, for The Streets Are Planning. If you are interested in sharing an article or you know being a guest on the show or sponsoring the show, um, or if you know of any kind of cool events that you want to promote and say, hey, this is an urban planning event um, you know, that we would like for you to advertise, um, I am totally open to doing those things. And if you have any interest in being a guest, don't hesitate to reach out. I know there are a lot of folks who are doing major things all across this country and all across the globe that I may not be aware of. So please don't hesitate to reach out to streetsareplanning at gmail.com. Again, that's streetsareplanning at gmail.com with all of that information. And we will get in touch with you. Um, or share your information uh, when we can. So just remember, anytime, anywhere, any place, the streets are planning.